Hey, this is Dayton Ward, writer of Star Trek novels and other nonsense. I'm just calling to say congratulations to Scott and Miles for making it to 50 episodes of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Here's the next 50, guys. Oh, and Miles, I've been meaning to tell you this for 10 or 12 episodes now, but your fly's open. Later. Live long and prosper. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 51, Miles. 51. Read it and weep. 51 has some significance to those of us who appreciate sci-fi. Oh, and why is that? Um, and anybody else who's uh, maybe just a little bit paranoid. And why is that? Well, there's this thing back in the 40s or it was in the 50s where supposedly uh, this... Uh, a uh, spaceship crashed in Roswell, Mexico. Ooh. Is yeah. that what it did? 1951? Uh, no, the, the, the play Area 51. Area, oh, yeah, Area 51, of course. What am I thinking? Yes. I was a huge X-Files fan. They so, played with that all the time. Area 51 is, has, has been a... Operation uh, Paperclip. Has been a huge um, uh, place to tell stories in the sci-fi world. I should put X-Files music in here. No, I won't do it. But anyways, uh, my name is Scott Herzog. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are your hosts at the diner tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, excellent show lined up. We had an excellent interview just a few moments ago with Shane from Trenches, the director of Trenches. You're going to be hearing more about him. Shane uh, Felix is, I think, the way you say his last name. Yep, he's um, making some sci-fi out there in the uh, uh, independent fan film world. Yes, he, yes, he is. And, um, by the way, if you guys want to call in and want to, want us to talk about the shows that you're watching or want to say, Hey, you know, this is what we think of what you're saying, whether you like it or not. And, uh, we, we, we would love to get your feedback. Uh, wouldn't we, Miles? Absolutely. And, uh, you can call us at 1-888-508-4343. We're going to be playing some listener feedback just a little bit later on in the show. And we actually opened the show at the very beginning with some listener feedback from Dayton. Good friend Dayton Ward, Miles. Yeah, our good friend Dayton. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Miles? Well, let's just, let's just play his little message and then uh, we'll talk about well, it. Well, we played it already. It's uh, Okay, well, uh, Dayton, if you're listening to this, um, yeah, it's a true friend, uh, you know, being discreet and all that, um, you know. But that's okay. I forgive you, Dayton. Still love you. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. The, the question is, Dayton, what, what boxers was he wearing when you saw this? Or was it? Or was he? Was it boxers or briefs? Or was he wearing boxers or briefs? But this is a family. This is a family-friendly <laughs> show, so, right, we're, so we digress. Okay, we do. On the menu tonight, Miles, we have some great science fiction in store to talk about. We of course have our interview with Shane Felix, the director and producer of the Trenches webisodes. You might know him if you saw Star Wars Revelations. We're going to be talking with him a little bit later on. We are obviously going to talk about the Farpoint Con that we just came from this past weekend. Interviewed tons of great people. We're going to bring you those interviews later on. I guess not today, but in the, in the, in the upcoming weeks, months ahead, we'll be bringing you those episodes and we are excited about them. We're going to be talking about Farscape. I guess I'm going to be talking about Farscape. We're going to also talk about the International Space Station is now a TIE fighter. Heroes finales on the docket. Smallville Justice League, excuse me, Justice Society episode and the newly released Planet Hawk DVD. Okay. That sounds like a decent show, Miles. It does. Totally crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple pieces of show news here. Uh, I mentioned this in a, pa- a past couple episodes, but finally the episodes are released. And if you're interested in finding out, uh, hearing me more, talk about Dollhouse, you can go to the Geek Squared Dollhouse Roundtable. Um, and they, uh, their podcast is now out, and I will link that in the show notes. Again, the Geek Squared Podcast, I was a part of a Dollhouse Roundtable on that podcast. 
Um, also, I appeared on Podcasters Emporium this past week. Their episode was just released with me, and they kind of analyzed my voice. It's kind of a telling episode, but a, per- a great podcast if you're a podcaster, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, last but not least, some of you may or may not be aware, I run another podcast called Haiti in Focus. Uh, I have a passion for Haiti, and we do interviews on that. It's basically strictly an interview show, and we interview all sorts of people on that show, including Jimmy Jean-Louis, the guy that played the Haitian. We interviewed him quite a while back, and we just interviewed another guy called the Haitian just this past week. Interesting. So, but not related to the the Haitian. Oh, okay. Which we saw some in this past season. That we did. That we did. So that was kind of cool to see him again in Heroes. Listen, we don't have any trivia uh, this week, but we will be bringing trivia back in next week. Is that right, Miles? That is correct. And uh, we have some good loot to be giving away then. We, we did acquire some, about it. We acquired some good loot. We acquired some good loot on our journeys. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go into any news, we want to play this listener feedback. I guess this is this listener call from Carl in Hawaii. Hello, this is Carl from Hawaii, and I just want to say I'm a new listener. So um, I just want to say that so far I like your show. And the shows that I'm watching right now is Doctor Who and Capricorn. So um, have a nice day and aloha. Thanks, Carl, for calling in all the way from Hawaii and giving us your Hawaiian greetings there. And Carl is a fan of Doctor Who. Now, have you ever watched Doctor Who, Miles? I've never really gotten into Doctor Who. Now I, you know what? I'm not a traditionalist. I've not watched any of the old Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but I have kept up with the new Doctor Who. My only complaint is that the most current season, I believe, has not aired in the U.S. yet, and I actually think it's been finished. I know they're switching Doctors, but I don't think they they've aired a couple of the movies, but we haven't gotten the full episodes yet. Mm. So I'm waiting for that to come back. But I'm a huge fan of Torchwood. I love the British humor in Doctor Who. It's just, it's a really good series. If you ever get a chance, you can uh, stream it on Netflix right now. And a lot of the good episodes uh, there. In fact, um, Christopher Eccleson, I believe the guy's name was, was the Invisible Man in Heroes. And he was the first Doctor Who in the latest incarnation. Okay. Yeah, so, so totally cool. And, uh, and that, and he of course is also into Caprica, which we of course love. Very true. Yes. Yeah, we had uh, no new episodes this past week, but according to Airlock Alpha on Twitter, we get two new episodes this week. I didn't know that. Yep. I think that they didn't air it because of the Olympics opening up that uh, that that Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whatever, Carl. Thanks for calling in and uh, and sharing us and listening to the show. We appreciate it and. Everyone can call in and let us know what you're list, uh, that you're listening. Let us know that uh, what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like, uh, theories. Hey, we'll talk about them True. on the show. We'll talk about them and you. Anyway, thank you so much, uh, Carl, again for calling in. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back. Imagine a giant circus that runs around the clock and features ring after ring of attractions for fans of science fiction, art, science, and new media. Wouldn't you want to run away to that circus? Now you can, because this very show, which goes by the name of Balticon, is coming to Marriott's Hunt Valley Inn, just north of Baltimore on Memorial Day weekend. From May 22nd to 25th, you can join over a thousand other fans in a huge celebration. Charles Strauss, one of science fiction's hottest writers, will be there. As will Kurt Miller, whose covers have graced many science fiction novels. And renowned singer Mary Crowell. And you can spend time with all of them. Love art? Go to the art show and view work by some of science fiction's masters. And if you fall for a piece, you can buy it. Interested in film or anime? Rooms with both are always available. Care to play a game? From tabletop games to live-action role-playing, gamers are ready for you to join in. Like to dress up? Join one of the best and largest costume contests on the East Coast. Want to laugh? Attend the special spoken word and comedy performance. Interested in new media? Balticon features the longest-running, best, and largest new media track available anywhere, with some of the most famous names in podcasting and webcomics. This year, attending as special guest of honor is New York Times best-selling author Scott Sigler, the first author to release a novel in podcast-only form. Come meet him. For more information, drop by our website, www.balticon.org, or listen to our podcast at www.balticonpodcast.org. 
Join us May 22nd to the 25th. Balticon. You're never too old to run away and join the circus. You just heard from our good friends at the Balticon podcast. Balticon is a con that takes place in Baltimore, so fairly local for us. Uh, but the thing about this convention is it, it brings all the literary greats in the science fiction world under one roof. It's absolutely a phenomenal Phenomenal weekend, really geared toward the literature of sci-fi, which we get into sometimes, Miles, but we aren't huge. We don't talk about literature a heck of a lot in the show. There, we, do inter- we do interview authors, though, like Dayton Ward, Kevin mm-hmm. Delmore, and uh, Another, and David Mack, and uh, we'll have one with uh, Keith uh, DeCandido uh, in the weeks ahead. Yeah, so uh, we'll have some stuff coming along. Sure. Well, Miles, let's get into some TV news. Okay. And this is not so much news as it is uh, our thoughts on what we've been watching, what we've been seeing. And Miles, our good friend at Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV, Kevin Batchelder, had recommended that we really need to give Farce the Gape a chance. And I have taken him up on his challenge. And I've been on this whole Biggest Loser thing, you know. You, You saw this at Farpoint. Like I ate like a bird the entire weekend. He obsessed about uh, food or not eating food. Yeah, and calories. I was counting my calories mm-hmm. pretty stringently and what mm-hmm. I could eat and tons of water and uh, running to the bathroom because of it. Several times, folks. Yeah, several times. And But anyways, uh, I've been watching Farscape as I've been running on the treadmill mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And um, I'm almost I'm, I'm almost up to disc four. I, I am in disc four uh, the first season, and I'm enjoying it. I'm hearing that the second, third, and fourth seasons actually get better. But this is a show that just uh, really has a good cast attached to it. Um, ben Browder, Claudia Black, uh, Anthony Simcoe, uh, who's in like a full body suit as he's doing it. And of course it's put out by the Henson company and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. So if Miles, you do got to check it out. I, I do. It's, it's something on my list that I need to watch. So maybe, maybe tomorrow I might even just, uh, watch the first episode off of uh, Netflix or something. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was just a excellent, uh, I've been enjoying it. Some episodes of the first season, like first seasons go, you're kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. but I just kept pushing through it and I, I'm really enjoying the interaction between the cast. Their chemistry is growing as the series goes along. You, you sold me. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And you can, of course, get these all on Netflix if you live in the U.S. and can get Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, and if not, I'm sure many other places you can rent them, buy them, BitTorrent them, steal them, whatever. Not that we advocate that. We are definitely not recommending. We do not recommend it. Miles, let's move into Smallville, the Justice Society episode. Now, you watched this, Miles. I did. And what was your impression of Absolute Justice? Um, It was – I I enjoyed it. And, I mean, we got to see some – if you're – if you enjoy the – the DC comics and the, and the superheroes from years past. Uh, we got to see Hawkman. We got to see Doctor Fate, um, and um, just just to see maybe the transition from you know the heroes of the past to uh, the heroes of the future and trying to help them come along. But uh, there was some good, nice, uh, juicy conflict before that happens. So um, um, it was interesting to see. Um, uh, Pam Greer's character, um, she reminds me, um, if you anybody watched the animated series from Justice League, uh, CCH Pounder uh, played this uh, African-American woman who sort of held it, led this secret government agency to try to um, sort of uh, either observe and control um, the superheroes. It seems like Pam Greer is playing a, that character in this, so... I'll be. I look forward to see how that turns out. Oh yeah. Well, and if you look at her, she was also a part of the Justice League, uh, the animated Justice League series. So it's the same character. Same character. So she's just kind of reprising that role, which is uh, which is really cool. Absolutely. Right? And, and I too, I, I like the way they kind of had this grandfather team, mm-hmm. and there's is, there's is a sense where like the Hawkman and Doctor Fate and all those other superheroes. Um, what the Green Lantern was in that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct in that? It, 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 in a painting. Um, yeah, in a painting. They don't really show it, but they mm-hmm. kind of insinuate that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that what we have here is this is the society that has gone before and they almost give a primer to what the Justice League 
is going to be in Smallville. In, in that the, the way they were family, the way they treated each other is kind of the way the Watchtower needs to go. Exactly. So that in a way, they're sort of mentoring them a little bit to uh, – Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was interesting seeing Shanksy play his role as Hawkman. He played a great Hawkman. He did. You know, because you know I've seen him. He was in Sanctuary for an episode of the season. Obviously, an SG-1 uh, – Alumni is, is who was in, who was in uh, most of the seasons of Stargate SG One, and uh, so when I see him, I said, ah, "Is he going to really carry this off?" And he did. And the outfit wasn't that bad either. Uh, people were kind of complaining about or worried about it. And I thought it was pretty decently done. I thought they played. I mean, you know, you think these big comic book superhero outfits are kind of campy looking, but um, it, it didn't. I mean, it did look that way. I mean, uh, you know, he. I mean, well, he had this huge mace and. You know, he's flying around and, you know, you're not going to – you took him very seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely did. What I also thought was interesting about Hawkman's character is there's – I guess there's sort of two two different mythologies with the Hawkman, Hawkgirl character. Um, what Justice League did was uh, Hawkgirl was from another planet um, and it explained why she had wings. The the way they had done it back in the um, uh, 19 – you know – I guess when, when the first Hawkman Hawkgirl character appeared was sort of a reincarnation story where they um, they had they had a, um, a relationship you know hundreds or if not over a thousand years ago tragically got killed but somehow reincarnated into these characters they are now uh, so they kind of used the old mythology for Hawkman which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and, it, and and that was and that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And also, I like Doctor Fate. I love that mask. They did a great job with the mask. Yeah, I wasn't sure how the Doctor Fate characters would work out, but um, uh, it worked great. The guy who who played him out of the mask. I mean, he was a little, you know, I liked his character. He was he was a little crazy, a little off, but still, you know, um, you know, wanted to do the right thing. Um, so no, this was good, and, and so I'm, I'm hoping Smallville becomes more like a live action Justice League. I think. Yeah, it could really take off. It does that. Yeah, and keep going. And maybe uh, is it is it renewed for a tenth season yet? We don't know yet. We, n- there's been no, n- no CW has renewed Supernatural and Vampire Diaries though. Okay, but uh, they were early renewals. They were called, so it's not like them not renewing Smallville doesn't mean it won't get renewed. I think the ratings for Smallville are still solid. So uh, I think it's gotten better this season. If you want to, my honest opinion, it kind of wavered there for a little bit in seasons uh, six, seven, eight. Yeah, my I, personal opinion, at uh, least. I agree. The writing has definitely been stronger. The, the shows have been better. So, oh well, we hope they bring it back again. If and if, and if you're a Smallville fan, uh, you definitely hope that they bring it back. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Well, let's move into our next one, and that is Heroes finale, which uh, we just interviewed last night. We're going to be bringing this interview much later. Should mm-hmm. I tell him? I got to tell him. You got to tell him. You got to tell him. Now that I brought it up, but David H. Lawrence, who plays Eric Doyle. Um, puppet a, master. the puppet master who has been instrumental in the heroes finale. He was, he came back this season and we had a really nice interview with him last night. Right. Um, and, um, anyways, uh, Miles, tell us about the heroes finale because you actually watched it and I read about it. Okay. So a little bit different experience here. Right. Well, we, we, we leave off with, uh, Claire and Noah in that trailer that's been buried underground and, um, we know they're not going to die, but how does, you know, how do they get out of it? Well, uh, Noah's, I forget his new girlfriend who he w- used to work with him at the, uh, um, the company. Um, she managed to get a hold of, um, uh, the woman, oh, I forget her name, um, Allie Larder's character. Uh, she could freeze things, turn to water while well, she comes back and rescues them. And so it's a gathering of all the, the heroes to deal with, uh, Sam and the carnival folk going to New York and Sam, trying to go in and to destroy New York, basically. Uh, so Wow, we're back to season one. Yeah, yes, things come seem to come full circle. A couple ways we'll see in this episode mm-hmm. a little bit later on. But continue. But um, so we see the heroes get back together. Uh, we see um, them try to use the um, – I forget the woman's – Character's name, but she pl- the, the plays de- the cello. She plays the cello. She she's deaf. Is that Ella? Is that her name, Ella? I want to say Ella. I'm not sure, but um, all right. She finds out basically that 
Uh, Emma, it's Emma Coolidge. Uh, it's Deanne Bray is the lady that plays her. She has to be coerced by uh, Eric Doyle to play this cello, but Sam's powers only work on a grand scale unless he has he needs people of power to be with him in proximity. So I uh, I don't think I'm giving too many spoilers away, but it's just that obviously well, it's two weeks out now. It's been two weeks out. The the Peter manages to get. Um, Sam's powers, and so there's a, there's a nice little face off between the two of them. There's a nice little duel between the two of them. We see Siler um, trying to redeem himself. We'll see if that you know that sticks. If 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 Heroes is renewed, but there's a nice um, a battle between him and Eric Doyle's character, and, and Eric Doyle does a pretty good job of uh, of, of kicking Siler's butt for a short while. Right, but you can't beat Siler. No, and so. Uh, uh, Siler manages obviously to to overcome, but he does not kill Eric Doyle. Right, so Eric Doyle could be back. We could see, him. yes, we, yes, and so uh, is see, that kind of where we leave the episode? Then we see that uh, it ends with uh, Noah and Claire, and Claire making a very bold statement about. Uh, well, that's like in the next volume, right? Right, because they kind of end the series and say in the next volume, mm-hmm. and we're I'm hoping we get a next volume, right. But um, there's a cool scene with uh, with Hero and Ando managing to, uh, by using Hero's power power of uh, teleportation, manages to teleport all the other people who have powers away, so that uh, Sam can't use them their their power their energy to do what he wants to. And, and so uh, he, he manages to get the apprehended at the end. Um, but I thought I thought it was a good episode. Uh, you know, I love Samuel. His character is just so evil. It is. Not, not just him, but the guy who plays him really plays evil characters well. I've seen him do other stuff, and I like him. Well, and, and, the, and the nice part, I mean, he, he doesn't always – I mean, there's always something dark and ominous about him, but at the same time, you see sometimes when he when he reaches out to somebody, uh, he's he's very um, almost benign and very caring. And so right. he's he's not just a two-dimensional one bad guy. There, yeah. there, there is uh, – um, He's a very layered uh, person, so yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed watching his character this season. Yeah, well, I like the way they ended the show the, the, with Claire, you know, not only outing herself in front of television, but doing it in the way that is kind of reminiscent of the very first episode of Heroes, right? You know, in, in a very real way. And I know Miles, you won't want to hear this, me say this, but if they did end Heroes, it, it in a sense has come full circle. Exactly, and. and it, Everything has been quasi well resolved. It's just you know there's no conflict at the end, and so um, they could end it now, and that you know and it would be it would, it would be the end of the show. It would be the end, end. Yeah, and and, and and they could pick up and uh, do another season with a new plot, new twist, new twist with mm-hmm. new, uh, new enemies, and they could, so they they could go one way or the other with this and uh, i guess they were waiting to see how the season panned out and to see what tim kring pitched as i think is the last word on the street that nbc was just kind of waiting in that hmm. is that what we heard in our it's a wait and see yeah wait and see type of thing mm-hmm. well let's move into planet hawk and then we got to move into our interview tonight but tell us a little bit about this dvd that just came out you saw it Miles? yes i did um last week i rented it off netflix uh some good New animated uh, comic book um, uh, uh, movies out there, and the latest one out there was Planet Hulk. Um, the the plot basically is Iron Man and some of the um, Marvel Universe heroes put the Hulk on a spaceship, send him to this planet because obviously when the Hulk is on Earth, he destroys things. And yeah, we don't like that. We don't like it. No, we don't. So the idea is to send the Hulk someplace where. You know, he won't destroy anything and he can be left alone. But obviously, um, it wouldn't be a movie if something didn't go wrong. And he is sent on another planet with other beings and he is uh, fighting, you know, at this, this, this arena as a gladiator, so to speak, and with other aliens. So um, the interesting thing about this Hulk movie is he never reverts to being Bruce Banner in this. It's like he is stuck in. He the, is the Hulk the entire time. Exactly. So it's interesting. You see the Hulk as a character by himself. In this, and so um, I enjoyed it. I, I rec- if, if you if you like the Incredible Hulk, like some of the animated uh, superhero movies that are out there, I, I strongly encourage you to, to give it a thumbs up. I give it two thumbs up. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you give it more if you had more thumbs. Yes. Very cool. Well, uh, we are gonna 
uh, go into her interview with uh, what Shane Fe- uh, Felix. Shane Felix. Felix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say Felix, and it feels Felix. But anyways, with Shane Felix here. Uh, but before we do that, we want to hear from Kevin Batch Elder and uh, their promo for the new season of the Signal Podcast. <laughs> Eight years on from Firefly, five years on from Serenity, you still can't stop the signal. Striding like a colossus into the new decade, conquering new... Ah, that's a little over the top, don't you think? Well, I guess, but he's right. We're still here. Just not quite so much with the striding. Walking confidently. How's that sound? Fine. Just as long as the signal stays a podcast all about Joss Whedon's Firefly and Serenity. Oh, no question there. We're continuing to explore the verse, same as we have for the last five years. But this year, with some new crew, new articles... New interviews, new features... And a new website, a new forum, and a blog. But still at the same old address, www.serenityfirefly.com, and still coming to your MP3 player every two weeks. Plus, we've got lots of our regular segments like News from the Verse, Broadwaves, The Terraformers, and Feedback. And we want you to join us. The Signal. Helping to carry on building the brown coat community. It, it starts, starts here. The Signal. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We have someone that we actually didn't meet this weekend at Farpoint, but we met his wife. And uh, she was there promoting something called Trenches Miles. Yes. Yes, it was a very good time. And so she hooked us up with this fine uh, young man. Are you young? I don't know. Um, but this fine man on the other end who is a director and producer. Is that correct? Or are you just a director? Correct. Yep. Director and producer of these webisodes, I guess, called Trenches. Welcome to the show, Shane. Thanks, Guy. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, you did meet my uh, my better half and so forth at uh, Farpoint, and she had a great time. So I'm, I'm glad to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, we, we had a real good time there as well. And we we had talked about interviewing her there, and she said, oh, you got to talk to my husband. So, <laughs> so she deferred to you, and that's why we're calling you tonight. So, well, tell us a little bit about, uh, so, you, so you're a director of, of Trenches, which we're going to get into, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm the executive producer and director of Trenches. Um, tell you, I mean, something about myself, what, like, I'm a Capricorn, I like sure. beach type thing, or... <laughs> Long walks on the beach, yeah, holding hands, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Yep, I'm all into that. Okay, great. All right, well, um... Let's let's talk a little bit about trenches. Uh, you know, w- before I went to Farpoint, I had not heard of trenches. So Farpoint was actually good for me, and I think Miles was the first time you heard of trenches. That's that correct. So uh, a lot of our listeners, trenches is going to be something new for them, Shane. So tell us a little bit about trenches. Well, trenches is uh, made for the web. It's uh, a sci-fi action thriller. I mean, I always pitch it as um, Trenches is basically pitch black meets saving Private Ryan meets aliens um, is kind of what it is. But it, it's a war that's going on between two fractions that's been happening for a very long time. And uh, there's an incident that happens that strands uh, our would-be heroes on this piss water back planet that nobody cares about and uh, maroons them with the enemy. And so they eventually meet up with each other, and they have to give up their biases and differences and hatred towards each other because there's a third entity that's on this planet that's worse than the both of them. And if they don't get along, then nobody's going to survive and get off that rock. Hmm. That's more or less what Trenches is. It's ten episodes made for the web. It's shot here in my backyard, which is northern Virginia and Maryland. Um, it was uh, budgeted and paid for by a new division of Disney at the time called uh, Stage 9. Okay. And then they sold distribution rights to Sony, uh, and it's going to be showing on Crackle.com. And you can watch, if you're in the United States, you can go and watch uh, The Trenches and check it out. Yeah. And uh, and that is on Crackle.com, you said. That is correct. So, so what inspired you to do this movie called Trenches? I mean, where, <laughs> where did that come from? Well, I mean, I guess I'd have to go back to um, – I mean, I have a degree in, in acting and directing, and my my first job was at age eight, um, and I did a did a commercial, and it was obviously Star Wars that inspired me as a kid. When I watched it in the theater, I went, "That's what I want to do." 
I don't know what yet, but something that involves with that, I want to do that. And so from age eight and on, I've been in theater and, and TV and film and so forth. And you know, I got my degree. I'm not, uh, you know, a film major. And then, you know, moved to New York and worked there for a long time. And, and then met my wife, Dawn Gowings, uh, who's also, she's a writer. And so together we had a passion to for movies. So we said, let's pick a movie together and let's do something we both love. Uh, and let's do something that's fun and will involve our friends. So we decided to do a Star Wars fan film called Revelations. And that was back in geez, 2002. And three years later, and $20,000 of my own money, and about 200 volunteers from around the world, I released uh, Revelations in 2005. Hmm. And it created this kind of Internet phenomenon, um, which even I didn't quite understand. Um, it was, I mean, we were on... CNN and CBS and MSNBC and USA Today, LA Times, Washington Post, Hollywood Reporter. I mean, huge, just blowout in terms of media for this little nobody guy in his basement in Northern Virginia makes a Star Wars fan film that what they say rivals close to what Hollywood can do. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? I don't think so, but uh, that was very nice of you. And so we... We had a, I mean, it's a it's a love hate. I mean, it's a it's a work of labor, a labor of love to make film, and particularly fan films. I mean, right. it's twenty thousand dollars of my own money to make, and then I spent about probably fifteen grand premiering it hmm. uh, because we worked three years on it and nobody got paid. So Don and I decide let's throw the biggest party we possibly can to thank everybody who worked on this film. So we just had this huge blowout party. And it was great. I mean, we had 800 people come and watch the premiere of, of Revelations. That's um, awesome. And it, it created such uh, – it, it actually created a loud enough noise and created a big enough wave that the industry actually did tilt its head up a little bit and go, what the hell is this? Who is this guy? So much so that it actually came across desks of the studio. And so I then was then starting to shoot Pitching Lucas, which won the George Lucas Select and Audience Choice Award in 2006 hmm. and it's the first film to ever do that when i was on the set shooting pitching lucas that's when abc disney called barry Johnson from abc disney called dawn took the call on the cell you know my cell says disney and she goes i think you need to take this and i was like what and i was in the middle of shooting so i told everybody let's stop and it was you know a city executive saying we saw your stuff we saw revelations we were really impressed we'd like to make something with you and I'm like, well, I'm making something now. So what, what are you guys thinking? And they were, they were saying, well, what, what kind of ideas do you have? Because in all of this media that I had been doing, I kept saying, you know, on CNN and you know, newspapers, if, if the industry would just give the little guy a chance and give us a budget, we can show you what we can really do. Right. And basically somebody in the studio went, all right, little guy, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. Oh, pressure's on. And I went, oh, okay. And so <laughs> I pitched, you know, after we wooed each other for quite a while, um, I pitched to the studio three different ideas, an easy one, a medium one, and a very hard one. And I pitched to, it, pushed, pitched to him over the phone. I created a website, you know, because that's my background is design and graphics and, and video and, and effects and, and so forth. So I designed this website with mock-up images and so forth of my my concept for each show and then pitch to him and say, okay, go to this, you know, this Earl now go to this one and this one. And I'm, sorry, I'm pitching to this executive over the phone using the internet. Uh, and eventually he says, well, which one do you like? I said, well, I like the big hard one, of course. And it's great. Me too. Let's make that. And I was like, Oh crap. Now what do we do? <laughs> um, you know, and he's like, well, how much do you think it'll make to, to make this trenches? I said, a million dollars. And then, you know, after I waited for the laughter to die down, and, you know, he's like, we don't make stuff for that kind of money. I'm like, well, how much do you think it? And when he threw the figure at me, I was like, oh. So once the studio had uh, told me the figure that they had in mind for budgeting of trenches, I had to go and, and, and really figure out, can I do this? Mm. And um, I eventually came back to them and said, okay, uh, I can do it for that figure. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um but I'll 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 do the job, and uh, so I knew from the start like I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, 
you know, and it, none of that, I got to wait for a green light. So they say, well, you can do it for this amount. Yes. Okay. And then submit to us a budget. So what I have to do is then take first the script has to be written, which you know Don Cowings and my wife and Sarah Jaworski, her writing partner, uh, wrote the original screenplay. Hmm. And then I took that to a very good friend of mine who uh, wrote pitching with, uh, Lucas with me, uh, Peter uh, Peter Robinson and his writing partner Ian Shore, who work out in L.A. and uh, had them write um, the script because it went through twelve revisions working with a studio. Until finally they, you know, approved on a script. Um, at that point, then I take a script and have to break it down in terms of how much is it going to cost. You know, I have to hire all the crews. So, uh, Exile Pictures is is my production company. Exile Pictures literally is me in my basement. That's <laughs> it. Exile, Exile Pictures is me. That's it. Right. And so the studio, the way it was pitched to me from them is like, look, you pitch us an idea. You tell us how much you think it's going to cost to make it. Submit us a budget. We approve it. We cut you a check. You go and make it, and then deliver it to us. And that's it. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. Okay. It didn't go down that way, but it sounded really good. Right. Um, the whole thing is a very green grass, uh, you know, green roots, or however you want to call it, type of incubator new project. So I submit to them the budget, and um, not knowing how am I going to pull this off because – a sci-fi action film is, is sci-fi alone is difficult because everything has to be fabricated. You know, the costumes, the props, and everything has to be designed. Um, so I, here I am drawing and mocking up guns and drawing the costume design and drawing, you know, the set design and so forth, and then trying to go and hire. I had to do all the hiring, all the casting, um, everything. I had to do payroll, accounting, insurance, everything, you name it. And I've got a crew of about 160 people that I'm in charge of that I have hired from all over the place. And then bring them all together to make one vision, which is trenches, on a very small budget. I mean, a perfect example, the actors were cast from the West Coast and the East Coast and then here local. And they're only paid about 100 to $200 a day. That's very small right. when you're working 18, 20-hour days. So... They would have to fly on their dime. They would have to pay for their own housing, and there was no per diem. So they only got paid if they were on location shooting with me. Hmm. Uh, so my cast was truly dedicated because they probably broke even or probably wound up owing just to work on trenches. And then hmm. for me, I worked out the shoot schedule. I wasn't being paid enough to quit my job uh, because I have a family. I have three children, and, you know, a wife and a house. And, um, so I shot trenches thursday friday saturday sunday then i go to work monday tuesday wednesday then shoot thursday friday saturday sunday and did that and i shot trenches in 14 days um and that was really difficult because when you're shooting a film it's 16 to 20 hours a day on set hmm. every day and then go to work the next day you know and then you know slog through that then go back to work shooting and then two days, we actually had to do splits, which means um, you shot all day at night, and you get about four hours sleep, and then you go shoot all day because you, now you're doing day scenes. And we had to do that twice in a row. So basically, you've been up for over 48 hours and gotten very little sleep. It's really hard to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, very, you know, it can crush morale for crew and cast. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how, how sore the things went down. Wow. Wow. Well, it's so wow. So that's just, that's the story of how that all came about. And that, that is really, that really tells the history of, of your directing experience and, and you working with revelations and all that. How did, how did, um, how did the idea, so you pitched the idea, where did, where did you conceive or what made you, what made you come up with the idea of trenches? I always wanted to do a very gritty, uh, sci-fi, action film uh, a i make films that i like i mean that's right. why trenches i mean I, I call it a thriller but it's not really that scary <laughs> because i don't like scary films i like more action and is and you know and suspense and so forth than a fun ride um so i always wanted to make a very gritty sci-fi film in a, a, a war particularly i really wanted to see because every other you know, usually when it fits a sci-fi war uh for example like uh, you know firefly the the Battle of Serenity. Mm. You know, I always feel like it's always still, I don't believe it. 
still too clean. Most sci-fi war and action is is very clean, and it just it doesn't feel very tangible. So I really wanted to get kind of a saving Private Ryan in the trenches, in the mud and the blood, and you know, in the middle of the action, to where you could feel the concussion, you could you know be there. And um, so I had this idea of I want to do a trench warfare set in a sci-fi environment. Don, go write that. <laughs> wow. That's what I told him. I said, that's what I want to do. And and, and uh, her and Sarah and me would sit down and, and you know, we'd just throw ideas around. And like, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And monsters. Okay, yeah. Oh, they come out of the mud. Even better. You know, and then, um, now go write that. And the, the two of them would write. And then I'd, no, no, take that out. Put this in, you know. More more boobs, you know, whatever. Um, and then eventually they would come up with a story. And i go, this is really good. This is a really good foundation. And then pitch that to the studio. And that's that's kind of how it came about. Wow, it's funny you mentioned the Battle of Serenity. Uh, I know Miles thought of this when he thought the trailer, and I know when I was watching, I said, "Hey, this reminds me just a little bit of that, just a little bit." Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, I'm a huge, huge Firefly fan, and brown coats, and uh, you know, Serenity, and so forth. So, yeah. nice little homage to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and to me, Lieutenant Andrews uh, looks like a young Mal. He does, doesn't he? I mean, he it's does. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, there were times where I'm looking at Lynn's going, I swear to God he looks like Nathan Fillion. You know, I swear it's him. Close as I can get. Yeah, I know. When I saw it, I said, he even looks like Mal. So, yeah. oh, yeah. that's, that's great. And it was, it was good to see him. Like, this is what the battle of Serenity was really like. We just got the short scene in Serenity. This is the full battle. No, I'm just kidding. But I know it's a different story, but I, yeah, uh, and when, go and ahead. when I was, when I was, you know, researching, uh, watched lots and lots of films, of stuff that I wanted to emulate trenches from, or just give me ideas. So obviously, go watch Aliens, I go watch Starship Troopers, I go watch Serenity and Firefly, and you know, Battlestar and Star Wars, and you know, a lot. Of, I watched a lot of World War Two uh, I mean, uh, footage, a lot of, and those movies we had a brother, Stephen Brent Ryan, you know, all that stuff to just try and give me inspiration and ideas of um, you know what I wanted to emulate and what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, it's uh, that's certainly tons of good material, and I'm sure it was very difficult to watch Serenity again, Firefly, and all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the hard part about it. Go ahead, Miles. Shane. Um, where does, um, without giving us too much away, um, can you tell us a little bit about where and when Trenches takes place? Maybe a little bit about the characters themselves. Sure. Where, when? I mean, that was a a, a big one that the studio even fought me with like uh well i i like stories and, and don does as well where we just kind of throw you in the middle of it and say sink or swim i feel the audiences there today and particularly my audience are they're very smart i mean i don't need to spoon feed them but some people want that some people want to know well where is this taking place why are they fighting who are these people you know what side is the good side and the bad side and for a you know, 50-minute made-for-the-internet series that's chopped up into 10 little pieces of there's only four to six minutes an episode. I was like, there's no way I can tell all this information in the short of a story. You give me a full feature. Okay, I can give you all that. So the premise of Trenches is that they're fighting on this backwater planet, and, and it's just a mark on HQ's map. That means nothing. Uh, and, and that, to me and to Don, is this was the insignificance of this war or this battle. And uh, the idea is that one side is getting their ass handed to them. And it just happens to be what we consider the good guys, um, which are the Rossdales. That's with Lieutenant Andrews and uh, Trina and Trace. When you get to meet the, the, the characters of, of Trenches, they're, they're the Rossdale uh, forces. And the other side are the, the Kuzans, or slang would be Kuza. And that's a derivative slang like gook, chink, and so forth. That's what the Rossdales call them is kuzas. You know, you know, it's like uh, they're Jerry's. They're you know any type of derogative slang. And those are the bad guys. And so there's this huge uh, armada in which the the Rossdales have been uh, caught in the middle of, uh, and they're in the middle of an evacuation. So when you start trenches, when you drop you right in the middle of it. They're in the process of evacuating all of their ground troopers, forces and pulling out. 
when they did that, then the um, the Kuzan forces came in with all their major, uh, you know, ships and are just obliterating them in space. So you've got a war that's happening in space and also a pounding on the ground. And so they're trying to save as many of their people as they can and jump out of there. And unfortunately, uh, Andrews and uh, a few other survivors are left behind. Uh, and so once the Rossdale forces leave, then the Kuzans are going to pursue after them. And this little backwater planet uh, means nothing again, you know, mm. other than the lives that are left there. Mm. Yeah. But the, that, the, 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 the who, what, where, when, and so forth, like when does it take place? Is it Earth? Is it not Earth? Is it, it, it's not Earth. I mean, it could be if you want it to be. You know, I, you know, for me, I was like, that's never the story. Um, I was even trying to explain to the studio, Trenches is not about the war. It could happen in a warehouse. You know, what's really, what this, it's the story of the characters. It's, the war is just the setup and the background, the environment. You know, but really what the story is about is these characters and the conflict and strife between themselves, uh, within their own unit, the enemy, and then another party. Mm. Which we will, we have yet to see, I believe, as of episode three. It's yeah, mentioned. but I, episode four, I, I'm trying to think. It might be episode five in which they, you get a glimpse, a uh, right. hint of that right. they're, ooh, you know, just as you thought, oh, we're all friends, it gets worse. Right. But this, it always does. It always does. But the, go ahead. So yeah, it's always how it is. <laughs> so the, this third party forces both sides to get together, and there we get to see and watch them try. We'll see nice, you know, character moments where these people try to coexist, to get along for their own survival. I like to think so. Mm-hmm. I like to think so. Um, we'll find out, won't we, Miles? Mm-hmm. It's basically you take a U.S. Marine, you know, and uh, Al Qaeda, and say, "Now the two of you get along." Mm, okay. Uh-huh. That, no, that, that's that. That would be really, really difficult. Right. Really difficult, but make for interesting storytelling. It would. There's a lot of hatred and a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, these guys have been fighting for a very long time. Um, and you've met, uh, well, one of the, the, the two leads, obviously, Lieutenant Andrews, uh, played by Aaron uh, Mathias, and then uh, Racine, played by Mercy Malik. Um, in episode two, you see this big fight that they, they get into and so forth. Those, you know, that's the antagonist and, pro- and protagonist right there. And uh, the story, uh, Andrews, anyway, is, you know, we're supposed to be, pursuing the story through him he's he's taking the uh you know the hero's path i guess if you want to really get you know break it down but he's placed upon the path of leadership that he really doesn't want to be on um it would be the equivalent of uh, um an air force uh, lieutenant dropped down in the middle of marine grunts and he's supposed to lead them oh yeah and he's never had any war experience, whereas these are veterans that have been slumping and humping through the mud for years. Right. And then some flyboy is going to come in and just because he outranks you, going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was the way I've been, that's the way I've been interpreting the uh, the first three episodes. So. Oh, good. <laughs> so it's coming off that way, at least. Yay. Yeah. So uh, we we have a few more minutes here. Tell us a little bit. We want to hear. We want to again uh, have you plug where they can find that. And um, uh, but before we do that, I do want to talk a little bit about pitching Lucas and about uh, Star Wars Revelations. Uh, sure. But but before we do that, um, can you tell us? Uh, so right now it's just U.S. release. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And um, uh, any, any word on when it will be available for our listeners overseas? Yeah, and and I I think it's a real it sucks. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. Is it is right. foreign rights and so forth a crackle, but um, in a month or so, once it it does its full cycle of showing on crackle, then it will go to YouTube and uh, some other space where it will be available for um, all our friends all over the world. And okay, cool. Which is a much, which is a huge audience. I mean, getting inundated by emails and IMs and Facebooks and tweets and all kinds of stuff. Going, I can't watch it. What's I'm over and you know I'm like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what can I do? So yeah, unfortunately, it's out of my hands. No, that's all right. I just wanted, I just wanted to ask because I know we do have listeners that are 
our farm. Yeah. So, um, well, tell us a little bit. Uh, probably the one I know least about is pitching Lucas. Tell tell us a little bit about pitching Lucas. Well, I mean, when we first made Revelations, one of the things that really inspired me and Dawn to make Revelations at the time, remember that time, the troops, which is the grandfather of oh yes, films and so forth, and said you know blaze the trail. And then there was another one called Duality that came out around that time. And boy, those two those two pieces really inspired me. And it was all coming from theforce.net, and then also Adam Films doing the Star Wars Adam Film Contest. And I remember Pink Five was, you know, the big the big winner. That was the very first year they ever did it. And, I, and, and Trey Stokes, director of Pink Five, a uh, good friend of mine, um, you know, just did an amazing job. And I just went, that's what we should do, Don. We should do one of these entries to Pink Five because they – because he got awarded this, you know, uh, a statue, you know, an award from George Lucas. Actually, saw the you know picture film, and they fly you out to the ranch, and they you know give you money and all. This. Oh man, that's what we got to do. Let's do that. And then we decided instead um, to do this big drama, <laughs> you know, which would eliminate us from doing a, a fan film, because at that time you could only do parodies and comedies and so forth or mockumentaries. That would be entered into the Adam Stars Film Contest, but that was the thing that really inspired me to, you know, in terms of fan films and Star Wars fan films, was the Adam Film Star Wars Contest. The fact that George Lucas would see your work, I mean, it's the guy that inspired me, and uh, wow, wouldn't that be cool? But I got, you know, doing trenches for, th- I mean, and, um, revelations for three years, and then when I finished that, uh, friends uh, that I had met in the fan film community, other directors, and so forth. You know, uh, who, and then some of them are winners, you know. Jokingly, I mean, we kind of joke, we would sit at the table and go, well, they all have, you know, are winners, and I did revelations. Like, well, you did a serious movie, so you don't, you know, don't really count. And so I always tease, uh, you know, I tell Don and, and, and tell and tease friends I did it out of spite then. <laughs> like, fine, I can show you I can do a comedy. So, and I always wanted to, so I like, Let's, I'm going to do a comedy because I want to compete in a Star Wars film contest. I want George Lucas to see my work. So I came up with this concept of pitching Lucas, um, which is basically uh, we know that George was going to, is making these live action Star Wars TV show. Right. But they, Can't wait. They've been working. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, at the time, you know, it was still you know a whisper, and we, but we knew he was going to do it. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if the studio pitched to George what they think? his TV show should be. And they basically are pitching all these old 70s shows. Like, it's it's Charlie's Angels except it's George Angels. And, you know, they're femme troopers. And then instead of chips, we'll do dips. You know, Dangerous Imperial Patrol. Uh, instead of, you know, <laughs> instead of chips, you know, you've got Biker Scouts. And then the other one, um, and instead of the $6 million man, we'll do the Sith Million Dollar Man. You know, we can rebuild him bigger, blacker, stronger. <laughs> Uh, it's like yeah, and, and we you know so it, it you know it's all these old seventy shows that I grew up with. It, I felt it fit with Star Wars because it's from the seventies and so forth. So and I thought it was it was funny. Um, it's not a fall out of your seat you know fart joke bathroom humor comedy. It's more of a smart oh that's you know witty or funnyish type thing. And uh, so I called up all my friends and I filled the uh, you know filled the scene with as many Star Wars characters as I possibly could and did some amazing CG stuff with uh, me and my good friend, uh, Zafir Mustafa, and a couple other uh, good friends who worked with me on Revelations. And it was basically calling up your old buddies that you did Revelations go, who wants to play again? Oh, yeah, and uh, we don't get paid again. But who wants to do it? So it cost me about $2,400 to do Pitching Lucas. We did it, and we shot it in two days. And we and the editing and everything. It took us about um, maybe four and a half months to do it, and submitted it, and it it won both first and second place in '06, and it's the only film to ever do that. Awesome. And, and it was cool. I mean, George Lucas said my name, and <laughs> you know, I got to go to the ranch. That was like hollow ground for me. It was so cool. <laughs> I, I got to go to ILM, and you know, it. It's still, I still. If you haven't seen Pitching Lucas, you can go to Adam Film or and, and watch it. It's free, and it's still one of my favorites. Uh, I I still like it because it was uh, it was fun to do. It was, um, you know, simpler I guess in terms of not as big a scope as Revelations, but still um, 
a lot of hard work and it was it was fun and the fact that George Lucas and and so many had seen it just it meant a lot. Mm. Well, it sounds it sounds it sounds hilarious. I can't wait to watch it. I'm yeah, going to go watch fun. it. Um, is it a, is it on YouTube too, or is it just on the? Oh no, no, it's not on YouTube because Adam Film has rights. So okay, the only place you can watch Pitching Lucas is either at my house, um, and you're <laughs> glad to come over, or <laughs> or at AdamFilms uh, dot com, and uh, or you just you know just do a search for Pitching Lucas, and you'll you'll find right. it. Yep, I found the site already. Very cool, and uh, of course you did Revelations, and people can easily find that on the net too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so Adam Films, where they can find Pitching Lewis, Lucas, any particular site they can find Revelations at? Everywhere. 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 The funny thing is when I first was getting ready to release Revelations, um, theforce.net, which is where, I mean, I went to to get, you know, advice. I'm like, how do you do lightsabers, you know, back in the day and so forth. And a great community, great forum for fan films, for fans. You know, they have a great fan film forum and, you know, people supporting other filmmakers making their fan films. And so the force.net is who I call them and say, hey, can you host Revelations and can you guys, do you think you can take the bandwidth? You know, and they were like, well, look, we hosted Batman Dead End and uh, we hosted, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever seen that one, but it's a very big um, Sandy Colera uh, Batman fan film, amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Like we did, we did Batman Dead End. We did Grayson, which is a a Robin fan yeah, film. It's really I've seen good. it. It's good. Yeah, huge mm-hmm. traffic on those films. So like, so we can take your film. I'm mm-hmm. like, great, wonderful. So I, they released it the day of the release. I got a call from the owner of theforce.net and says, I got to take your film off uh, theforce.net. I was like, why? Do you not like it? Because I love it. He goes, I love it so much. I paid over six thousand dollars in overages. I can't, I can't host it anymore. I gotta oh, pull wow. it down. And it's <laughs> the only film that ever not crashed the Force.net, but basically they had to yank it. And so then I made a, a a plea to all my friends and fans and everyone, going, look, if you want to see Revelations, please host it on your server. You know, um, BitTorrent the hell out of it. Anything and everything, because we just don't have the bandwidth. I mean, me, myself, I had it on the Force.net, and then also on my site, panicstreppro.com slash revelations, and I went through three different servers, and and so basically just everybody just spidered it. And so now it's everywhere. I put a YouTube, you just you name it, it's all over the place. I mean, it's even been translated in other languages and dubbed and, and all kinds of craziness. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, uh, I've read amazing articles where one one guy did his thesis paper on Revelations. Um, oh, wow. Uh, some universities use it for teaching material. I mean, crazy stuff. It's just amazing. Well, that has to make you uh, feel good as a director, you know, going from, you know, virtually unknown into having you being taught at a university. That's pretty crazy. I'm still unknown. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it is great that, you know, just the fact that if I can inspire somebody to go and live the dream and make film and so forth, dude, that was worth doing. It was it worth was making. Definitely worth doing. And it doing. did inspire others. And, it, you know, it, it basically raised the bar in fan film and even independent to say, this guy in his basement in Northern Virginia did it. Why can't I? You right. know, it's not like I went to some big fancy film school. I didn't. I just simply went out there and just did it. And uh, just with a lot of work, dedication, and a lot of work, yeah, uh, you definitely. can get it done. Yeah. Well, uh, before we go here, uh, we do have to wrap it up. Uh, tell tell me again where tell us where 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 again can we find trenches as it's being released? You can go to crackle dot com and check out trenches, which will have ten episodes. Will air every Tuesday and Thursday. It uh, released. Just this past uh, Tuesday, the 16th, uh, episodes one, two, and three are up there now, uh, which is a, a really nice, good chunk of trenches. And then episode four will come out this Thursday on the 18th. And then again, next Tuesday, they'll release more. So every Tuesday and Thursday, you can get your trenches fixed. And hopefully, you, your audience, people would dig it. I ask if you do, please send it to your friends, your enemies, go tell it on the mountain. Uh, because I want, you know what I would love to do? I would love to, I would love to smoke Sony Crackle server to the ground. You know, slash dot the hell out of them, whatever you want to do. 
uh, I would love to give them the numbers that say, look, the little guy can do something. And um, if we do big enough numbers, then it's a possibility that the studio could go, huh, this is something. Maybe we could make a series or a feature out of this. Um, and that would be really cool. That would be a really awesome thing. But great. And, and where can they find Exile uh, Films, right? Uh, where, where can they find Exile, that film? Exile Pictures. Just go to xilepictures.com. Um, and, uh, you can, that's, that's my production company or just Google Shane Felix and you'll find all kinds of stuff, um, and YouTube as well. So we appreciate any and all support and hope if anything, uh, for trenches, you guys have fun. It's a great ride. And, um, if you like sci-fi and you like action and, you know, and so forth, um, check it out. Cool. And, uh, and they, they can, we can follow you on Twitter as well. Um, you you can tweet about it, uh, tweet and tweet and whatever about it. Yeah, um, Facebook. Cool. We're on Facebook. We're on MySpace and all that jazz. Uh, you can actually become a fan of Trenches uh, on Facebook. Uh, just look me up, and I'm delighted to talk with you. And uh, we appreciate any and all comments. Even the "you suck and should die in the ditch." Uh, you know, I get that stuff too. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight, Shane. And Shane, I look I forward. It. I look forward to watching trenches. Thanks, guys. I truly, truly appreciate it. It's been fun, and I enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, we'll let you know when the episode's out, and it'll probably uh, it'll probably come out uh, later this week. That'd be great. I'll post it all over our place as well. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Shane. You guys have a good one. Good night, Shane. Bye. Bye. That about does it, Miles. For the Sci-Fi Diner tonight, we got to clean up the tables, wipe, wipe them down, and get out of here. Before we do that, we do have our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. That we do. And for those of you who are familiar with Farpoint Con in Baltimore, Maryland, we were just there this past weekend, which we mentioned. We didn't really talk about the con. We said we were going to talk about it. We just, we just kind of skipped so right over shows. it. Yeah. yeah, well, let's mention it here okay. and uh, in our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and we'll take our top five moments from this Sci-Fi Con, Farpoint. Number five on our list, we said that we really enjoyed the location, the, the way it was laid out, the spaciousness to the center of it, um, and the staff was just phenomenal and helpful, especially as we were trying to set up interviews and stuff. They just really bent over backwards. I love this con. A small con, about... A thousand or so people, so not huge, not huge. No, but. it wasn't, but it was. Um, I, I agree. Location was great. You didn't feel claustrophobic. That maybe you might have had the uh, the Hunt Valley uh, place. Um, also, um, yes, like you said, the staff. I mean, they bent over backwards to help us. Worst out. part about it was the snow outside. Which I see. Yes, that was the worst part. If that's all you had to deal with, yeah, you're fine. Uh, number four miles. Well, um, we had a. Uh, Awesome time with uh, uh, John Broughton and uh, Mike Bednar from uh, Starship Farragut um, and just talking about their, their new projects and uh, just uh, their philosophy behind uh, how, how they're making their uh, their films. Yeah, so like they've been working with Trenches, they've been working with the Brown Coats uh, Redemption movie. Uh, we're going to be talking with those guys in a, little, in a future interview here. Mm -hmm. Also Polaris. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good fan films that these guys really have a lot of knowledge of. Right, I mean they're 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 not they're they're spreading their wings so to speak. And yeah, yeah. Comic book they have coming out. Have We're waiting for the action figures. You know it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, number three in our list, of course, was the lovely Felicia Day, mm -hmm. and uh, we had a real good interview with her, and uh, uh, and uh, she was just a real pleasant person to sit down and chat with. She was. She was very delightful. And uh, for our number two. Um, uh, we get we Lee Ehrenberg, uh, Edo Poppet himself, uh, yeah, <laughs> from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, he was a delight to talk to. Uh, I had some questions in mind, but you know, we just sat down, we just started talking. It was, uh, you know, it just uh, just three guys uh, having a nice conversation. Man, and boy, that went fast. Mm -hmm. They had to stop us. I wish they wouldn't have. It was, yeah, it was, it was great. Mm -hmm. Our number one was Sam Whitwer, and we probably could have flipped one and two here real easily, but Sam was just another guy that we just sat down and started talking, just a regular guy, and mm -hmm. uh, just real down to earth, and um, so uh, really interacted with fans well, and especially the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, Sam Whitwer, I, he, he's going to go places. I mean, the guy has done, um, you know, 
Star Wars Force Unleashed 1 and soon to be 2. And Clone Wars. And, and he's going to be doing something with Clone Wars. Uh, he played Doomsday in uh, in uh, Smallville, and he was crashed down in Battlestar Galactica. We're going to see this guy do more stuff. Did some Star Trek Voyages, uh, the uh, fan film, right? Yeah, he did yeah, some so. work with with Phase 2. So, But it was really cool just to see him interact and mm-hmm. uh, just have a real love of Star Wars. And, you know, in a sense, he's kind of living his dream. Yeah, he's he's not just an actor doing this stuff. He's, you know, he's a fanboy like us, uh, and he's getting a chance to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's, that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. But so those are our top five moments from uh, Farpoint Con. Mm-hmm. So here on the East Coast. So if you ever get out this way in February, look it up. It's a uh, well worth it. Small, it's intimate, and uh, but there's still a lot to do. A lot to do, and they have a lot. To, they have a lot to offer. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap up the show, Miles. Here, where can they find us? Well, we have our own. Um, we are on t- on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, the Sci-Fi Diner podcast has a on, on Twitter. Yeah, um, we're just the Sci-Fi Diner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter as Son of Worf, and uh, and I'm on Twitter as Herzog H E R T Z O G. You obviously can find out the show notes and everything on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we said earlier, you can call in and leave your thoughts on what we're saying and what we're thinking of these shows and the shows that you like. And hey, you can even call in and leave your sci-fi five and five miles at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. And check out our Facebook fan page. Uh, I posted some pictures from the con. Oh yes, and uh, we we had some nice little photo ops with uh, the guests there. Yep. So uh, we'll be posting those and flinging those all around. Yep. All right, well, that about does it. Okay, well, till then, good night and good luck. (laughs) 